everyone, kia ora koutou, haere mai, and welcome along to a showy ovary special, all about your host, chronic oversharer and lover of puns and date scones, if you're passing, Penny Ashton. I thought, as I ask everyone else about their journey with their body, I would do a wee mini-sode and ovum on that very subject for myself. And when I say we, I mean small, not as in we. When it comes to we, I've been very lucky. You're in for a good time but not about my bladder. So, this bag of bones and flesh was born in February 1974 in Auckland. It moved to Ototahi Christchurch quite quickly, though we didn't call it that in the 80s, and grew up in the north of Christchurch in Casebrook and Papua Nui. Also, we didn't say it like that. Things have changed for the better. At the age of four, I began my life on the stage. I started ballet then, discovered a love of showing off, and basically never looked back. I was always the comedy character roles though, think Jeremy Fisher Frog rather than the elegant swan, and I got my first taste of laughs when I knocked over the mouse hole aged five, probably in protest at having to sniff the large block of mattress foam that was our pretend cheese, which I remember vividly. So my dreams of ballerinahood began only to be thwarted by my mm, pesky need to eat and the sudden sprouting of enormous jugs from aged 10. As I have said many times, my nickname in primary school was Big Tits. Yay, boys. First up in my chronic bodily fun times, though, was developing asthma on the cross-country in Bottle Lake Forest, also aged 10. I so remember this sudden shock of not being able to breathe, locating my teacher, Mr. Bradley, on the route, only for him to just encourage me to just keep running, which felt like a betrayal. I'm like, you're supposed to save me. I feel like I'm dying. But anyway, I managed to keep running, but it was bloody horrendous. I had been a good athlete up until then, even getting third in New Zealand for shot put in 1983. But all of a sudden, I needed an inhaler. Maybe those bags of flesh, which I weighed recently with a baggage scale, don't judge me, uh, they're about two kilos each. But maybe it was the knockers knocking about my lungs with pressure, who knows, that meant that my alveoli were drowning in fluid. I did remember looking at my inhaler and thinking immediately of my grandmother's rainbow of inhalers for her emphysema. And she died actually about this very time too, which also gave my little body its first understanding of being grief-stricken. Oof, that was full on. Which I have incredibly been deeply lucky to have not had to really experience since at that level. Though as I'm nearly 50... I know that that can't last, but back to ballet. Then I had this lovely ballet teacher who would say things constantly to me to remind me of the fact that I was too fat to be there by saying things like, you have such wonderful expression, if only I could give you a different body. So yes, she was a treasure. Um, And when I say too fat to be there, I mean by their standards, obviously. Then in school assembly in 1990, age 16, yes, school assembly, I had a grand mal epileptic seizure. It turned out all those little episodes of deja vu that I'd had all my life were actually small seizures and they were really weird. I would hear sort of music, often like playground music. It almost sounds like a horror film and see things in my head, but I knew that they weren't there and then I would get a really bad headache. And I thought that's what everybody said when they said deja vu, because like I felt like I'd been there before. They say it could have been because my mother dropped me on my head from a change table when I was a baby. Yes, yes, I'm used to it. That explains it then, jokes. But basically, they have no idea why I had epileptic seizures, and they generally don't. So I started on Tegretol twice a day. It was also called Tegretol Retard 
due to it being slow release. But that was a fun name to a 16-year-old too. And then coincidentally, just coincidentally, I put on a stack of weight. But I never put those two things together as I was very lucky to go to Germany on exchange when I was 16. I just thought it was that lovely phrase, puppy fat, and that maybe I'd eaten too many pretzels on exchange. Good Lord, I love a salty pretzel. No euphemism. Before the meds, I had already been a little bit heavier, as was evidenced by the somewhat heartbreaking diary entry after my epilepsy diagnosis. I can't believe I'm epileptic. First, I'm fat. Second, not particularly attractive. And now this. Whew. Which is a lot. And I I realize I'm using the word fat a lot, which I know even Taylor Swift has edited out of her latest video, but, you know, this is the shit that just gets stuck in your head. But over that seventh form year, 1991, I got progressively bigger still, until by the end of the year, I was completely and utterly miserable. Once I went to the pragmatically named Pants for Pants on Colombo Street to get jeans, and jeans for me is always a nightmare to buy jeans. Actually, Posty Plus, I get the best jeans from Posty Plus now, and they're like $30. But anyway... I went to get these jeans. They were 16s and so they were a bit snug. And so I asked for the next size up in these jeans only to be told, oh, they don't make them any bigger. And I tell you what, that's the shit that sticks to your teenaged self-esteem. Like shit. Then it was off to university where my body also discovered orgasms. I had been a late bloomer in that sense, but I had three whole boyfriends in my first year. I thought that was it. They were all going to be lining up. Then there weren't that many for quite a while after that. But oh man, it was like, you know, first time being naked with a guy, all this sort of stuff. Also, mum and dad offered to pay for me to go on Jenny Craig. Some people think, oh my God, how outrageous, but I actually leapt at the chance and did lose around four whole kilos, but it took months and I was always starving. So when I couldn't budge anymore, I felt like a total failure. I only ate when I was hungry, but I was always fucking hungry. Over the next 16 years, yes, years or so, I was always yo-yoing weight-wise, never blowing out crazily, but never actually quite reaching that magic Jenny Craig goal weight of 63 kilos, which is far too fucking skinny. I was also put up for acting roles like woman doing gymnastics on the beam, and the ad was for reinforced wood. Fun times. I did have a lot of sex in that time, and I think a lot to do with that was my finally feeling desirable unlike when I was a teenager, and not being particularly judgy about casual sex. I have always viewed casual sex and relationship sex like instant coffee and real coffee. I prefer the real coffee, but if there's none available, I'll happily grab an instant. Not anymore though, happily monogamously, if that's a word, married, with my very own coffee machine at home. Actually, literally and euphemistically. Also in a chat with a group of friends recently, one said she thought that only 5% of her sex in her life had been good sex. That blew my mind. I mean, I guess I was lucky to have a boyfriend very early who was determined for me to orgasm during sex. And then I became equally determined from then on. Almost to the hold on there, Sunny Jim, I haven't come yet, so don't even think about it, sort of determined. But I really make no apologies for that because we're all having a much better time if we're all coming. I've only ever faked it once because I'm like, I am not rewarding bad behavior. But I remember that year, you're just like, oh, fuck, let's just make it end. But there was, and still is, but to a lesser extent, a lot of slut shaming around during those times. And that can get into your head too. Especially like when I started comedy. So it was like the early 2000s, like that. I mean, that, it was actually a terrible time. All supposedly feminist, but, you know, sexualizing teenagers like 
Britney Spears calling Paris Hilton sluts for her boyfriend leaking her sex tape. And I've said that a few times too, but when you really break that down, it's just bullshit. And anyway, and I was introduced at this point in various comedy gigs with these pearlers. You may have seen her around because she's been around. Yay. Now feel supported and have fun with these people on this panel show that you're with. Oh, these six other men on this panel show. Uh, our next act is basically a slut. Hey, and this is the best one. Our next act bathes in cum. Yay. One day, though, I was so frustrated with not being able to budge any weight, despite exercising six days a week, etc., that I was on the brink of thinking about liposuction, and I just typed Tegretol and weight gain into Google, and a whole ton of articles came up, and a light switch basically pinged above my head. It was then that I learned that the medication was making me hungry, and all those 3 p.m. insane cravings for carbs suddenly made sense. I dithered a bit about trying new meds because it meant I couldn't drive for six months. But my good friend, flatmate and bridesmaid Rachel basically said, don't be a dick, do it, and offered to drive me about. So I went into the system and nine months later, nine months later, got a neuro appointment. I also just asked her about it this week and about how obsessed I was during this time that we were flatting together, trying to budget. And she summed it all up with these words. Oh yeah, you're obsessed. All those salads all those salads. That neuro was Dr. Alan Barber and he was just lovely. I cried in his office and felt ridiculous. I mean, he was probably used to telling people that they had brain tumors and there I was feeling a bit chubby. And yes, totally buying into the ridiculous notions of what chubby slash fat even was, of course. I also left his office and saw someone with no legs sitting in a wheelchair in the hospital. And I figured, though my goal weight would be achieved easier that way, I should focus on the luck that I had and, yes, stop being a dick. Anyways, my new medication, Lamotrigine, worked. I stopped being absolutely fucking starving all the time and lost a bit of weight. I'm no sylph now, but you know, I'm much, much happier. And also I've just come to accept it now. Also by now, my body was supporting my income by being a full-time performer and producer. And the ballet training and improv training I got as a youngster has kept it twirling, poncing, skipping and whirling around various stages to pay my rent. And in the last three years, my mortgage, which is actually amazing. Supporting myself reasonably well with theater and art. I often used my size in my initial comedy material, which had a lot about having big tits and being overweight, but being judged for that too, because I was told I was too full on for a certain panel show and I should stop talking about my tits so much. So yeah, I can be defined by them, like my nickname, Big Tits. People use them all the time in advertising and other things, but if I own them, then that's full on. Yeah, you can see why I employ myself mostly. But as I have moved into my literary solo shows, that has changed. And my shows have become much more focused on feminist themes of inequality, bodily autonomy, wage gaps, housing insecurity, and a world of balls and dick jokes. It's funny, yeah, both of my shows both <laughs> revolve around balls and dick jokes. I should get more female anatomy ones. Still, they're fun to make fun of because they're not attractive, are they? But anyway, when I was 35, I met my now husband, and he thinks I'm sexy as fuck, so that has certainly helped my acceptance of who I am. I've been a very stable 70 to 72 kilos since I changed meds with a small blip upwards when I was on depot. 
The pill can be tricky on epilepsy meds, so I barely tried that. I did enjoy the no periods on Depot, but after a while, I just felt like I wanted to get off it, I don't, and I just did, and then I shed a few more kilos, which was interesting. Since then, it's been condoms all the way, and my dad used to have a condom vending machine business. I have packed thousands of condoms in my life, so it all came naturally. Yay. It seems every 10 years I add another Latin name to my list of conditions. First up was idiopathic thrombocytopenia, which means I have low platelets. The idiopathic is fancy doctor talk for fuck knows why though. It means I bruise like a peach. And if I do get surgery, it's a bit of a big deal and I need bags of blood nearby. Next up was diverticulosis. This is funny. As in my younger days, I was prudish as hell, talking about anything involving the alimentary canal, farting, pooing, etc. I was all, no, no, not talking about that, not referencing that, no, 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 it makes me go very New Zealand accent for some reason. In fact, Matt and I did not fart around each other, as he called it, trumps. That's what they called them in the north of England, trumps. It, who trumped? It's my excellent Yorkshire accent. Uh, but we didn't fart around each other for a whole year, which was very uncomfortable. Only when we moved in together did we break that seal, and it's been open season ever since, and actually hilarious, what was I thinking? So anyway, developing a condition that has little pockets in your large intestine and needing to have it investigated with a colonoscopy, which involves drinking litres of shit-inducing juice, pooing like a jet wash, then having air blown up your large intestine so a camera can have a look around and investigate your inner space, well, suffice to say, that was the top of my list of mortifying things. The doctor had said to me before all of this, though, Houston, we have a problem, referring to my CAT scans, and I realized she was about to boldly go where no man has gone before. Yes, no anal sex for me, please. That is a one-way situation most of the time. So that was also fun. But as confronting as that all is, the words, there's no cancer, really do make up for all of it. Then of late, it's been the vulvodynia, the subject of my bits flashes for VNN, Volva News Network. My latest chronic illness, and one, though most people don't seem to have heard of, can actually affect up to 16% of the female-slash-AFAB population. I am still trying to figure out the treatment for this, as the pain is pretty much always there. A low-level burning irritation. I'm taking amitriptyline and having pelvic floor physio, or Fanny Physio now, which is basically, as I have said previously, just a woman having her hand in my sacred lady portal, seeking out the pressure points, which I do, I do tense a lot. I don't know, maybe it's the ballet, you know, tucking in and tensing, etc. Anyway, to push against gently for a weirdly long time. And I've purchased myself a Thera wand to do it more easily myself. So it's a magic wand for my cavern of wonder. How fitting. And it's so silly, really, that we get hung up about things like this because it's just a muscle. It's just a very intimately placed muscle. But, you know, why is it so much more imbued with weirdness than if I twisted my ankle? Anyway, every now and then, all these conditions can get a girl down, which is when husbandly cuddles and long monkey arms helps a fuck of a lot. But you have to keep reminding yourself that you have all sorts of other luck in your life to focus on instead. And this body of mine has forged its own path, employed itself gainfully for two decades, given me way more, way more than 5% of sexual satisfaction. Seriously, people do not accept bad sex. I can sing, dance, write, think, do silly voices, and has one of the more magnificent cleavages that you will 
ever say. I have been a member of Les Mills for most of the past 30 years, and though that was mainly born of an obsession in weight loss, it has given me an appreciation of exercise to improve my bone health as I age. Though I haven't tried my favorite cardio workout of spin classes since I got my burning sensations, but plan to test that again soon. But I'm glad to have had that foundation in keeping my muscles toned, and therefore, despite having the equivalent of four bags of sugar strapped to my chest, I have never really had back pain. So that's something, and I feel quite lucky when I talk to other women with massive knockers. I've also been kind of astonished at how much we all hold so much shame, regret, envy, longing, desperation, and depression to be rooted in our bodies. Though I don't know why I'm surprised because I've just spent the last 16 minutes telling you about how fucking obsessed I was with being fat and chubby and it's ridiculous and I'm actually recording this as an insert having listened to it just thinking oh shut up about all of that. So anyway I will try to shut up about all of that from now on but this is my body my voice this is my truth. I'm speaking my truth peoples and there's a lot of feeling undesirable and Inadequate, I guess. Inadequate. But for who and for what? But also, thankfully, as we get a bit older, we seem to be inclined, thankfully, to just say, fuck it. My basket of fucks is empty. I have no more fucks to give. I'm alive. Woohoo! Like when that nurse told me, maybe I should lose some weight to lower my cholesterol. I was just like, no, bitch. No. No. Not doing that anymore. I'm sick of it. Anyway, I'm not someone who hates birthdays. Yes, I am getting older, but what is worse than a birthday, I always ask? No more birthdays ever again. So the next time you complain about getting older, think you could be dead and have another wine. But not too many wines. Listen to Nikki Bazant and her alcohol moderation. And on that note, this is Penny Ashton, signing off from season two of Showy Ovaries. I do believe I will be back for season three. I'm just not sure when as yet, but it will be coming to the Hamilton Gardens Festival as another live event. I also have to write The Tempestuous, a shrewd new comedy by Will Shakespeare and Penny Ashton. But keep those subscriptions and follows in place so that you can get a notification when my ovaries open for business once more. And hey, who knows? I might even be menopausal by then. Till then, in the immortal words of the very first guest, Pinky Agnew, stay juicy, everybody, and no hurrah.